Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, that's pretty good. Basketball, a fun sport at its best, I would say. And the Raptors having, oh my gosh, oodles of fun. 124 to 101. They beat the Sacramento Kings and provide the the fan base with, I would say, a fairly stress-free game where we just get to oogle and ogle at all the different ongoings. A fantastic Utah Watanabe game. An unbelievable Scotty Barnes game. Justin Champagny coming off the bench. Delano Banton with six quick assists. Malachi Flynn boogieing. And Pascal Siakam exercising his ability to put a magnet in the ball and the other proper magnet which draws it in the rim that everything he throws up goes in. Fred was great. Everybody doing fantastic things and just thoroughly dominating these Sacramento Kings. Fun game. I mean, they're... I'm excited after this to just go and clip, uh, you know, a couple games worth of Justin Champagne finishing stuff because, man, I've really taken a liking to how he finishes at the rim. Even towards the end of the game, it got blocked, but he was being pushed to his right to the point where his right hand wasn't really available because he was near the baseline, and he just pushed it up with his left hand. That is not a shot a lot of players would take. A lot of players would try and fade backwards to turn it into a fadeaway and then shoot it like a jumper. But he maintained the center of gravity and tried to go as straight up as he could and just popped it up with his left hand. It looked like he was going to drop in. He also had just an ins- an insane attempt on a, I would say, a contact. There was a lot of contact on it. And he tried to get like a reverse going with just an incredible amount of touch. Not to mention, you know, his tipped in buzzer beater that was just a fraction of a second too late. And then the the layup he made prior to that in the game against the the Thunder. And my yeah, my God, great hands, catches everything. He's a he's an interesting character. I'll, I'll tell you what, he he's got a really funky game. He rebounds the hell out of the ball for his size. He finishes at the bucket. It's just something I noticed. Uh, yeah, so Justin Champagne. But yeah, the Raptors they come out in this game, dominating at the start, dominating throughout. It, it, they were up eleven six. They win 124-101. They're up by as much as like I don't know twenty five to twenty eight somewhere around that. And the Kings had no answer, basically. The Raptors, in the first half, they scored 70, 19 assists, hardly any threes, hardly any free throws. They are just pinging the ball around that Sacramento defense, finding guys who are open, getting to layups, and just absolutely uh, a barrage. They were dominating them. 
and it was it was a hell of a game to watch. It was super super fun. And I guess we did technically kind of start with Justin Champagne, but let's start with Scotty Barnes. So okay, big thing: sixteen points, four rebounds, two assists, five blocks. Okay. And he played 32 minutes in this one, but I'm pretty sure he accumulated five blocks at like the 25-minute mark. Like a pret, not a predatory shark, because all sharks are predatory, as Joe Wolfon checked me on Twitter, but I still like the way that reads. He looks like a shark, man. He was the Raptors' worst defender in their starting lineup for the bulk of the season so far. He's a rookie. He's getting used to stuff. He was an astronaut on many plays, but now he's no longer kind of wandering I would say he's hovering or surveying. Like, he would be out of position and he would realize, like, oh, shoot, I've created, like, a gap in the zone or something like that. And a guy's back cutting or a guy's finding space to shoot or he's just getting blown by on an overeager, you know, step up into a guy he's defending. All that stuff. Whereas now, like, if he's out of place, it's because he's ready to gamble really, really hard on a shot contest. And in a game like this where he has five blocks... The rewards, he was reaping. I mean, he looked so good. And it's also, they didn't end up paying for any of the hovering off guys thing that he was doing. He had a really good knack for it. I mean, not only to recognize, like, who's more willing to pass and who's not with the Kings. And this is something the Raptors as a whole had a really good beat on because they played a really straight-up zone where they basically only identified Buddy Heald and played really hard off of everybody else. So... They had a good sense for what the Kings want to do in this game, but Scotty, it seemed like almost next level. Like this is this is something we've seen Pascal do at his peak. Is like he's cheating way off of guys because he knows he can get back into it, and it's dependent on the personnel. Like who's going to help him with the X out? Who's he helping off of? All this kind of stuff, and Scotty, a little bit more aggressive even because Pascal a lot of times is looking to deny things and he's looking to. Um, get guys, like, veer guys off of their path. He's not looking to just swat the hell out of the ball. But Scotty is like that that punch he's bringing to these defensive possessions. That's the big thing. And, and not to mention there are a couple plays in this game where he's just in isolation, got to the bucket, or at the end of the one court, he hits like a, you know, a step back. I would, like, 18 or 19 footer. Stuff like that. Offensive progression. But the the big thing in this game is just his mobility defensively, that obviously the exclamation point on that is the five blocks where he was helping like rid- ridiculously hard, like these sweeping defensive rotations, and he's swinging. Those arms are active like a helicopter's whoop, 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 whoop. Don't enter the vicinity or it's getting swatted. And it did, five blocks. I mean, super fun Scotty Barnes game. He was just a menace from beginning to end. So hell yeah for Scotty. And just to transition into Scotty Adjace stuff, I mean, Gary Trent Jr. ran like a beautiful, like, give and go. Like, the, you know, the classic JJ Reddick, Joel Embiid actions they would run? Like, it's a dribble handoff, and they'll reset and pitch back and forth to each other nonstop until an advantage is created. And it requires a, like, the big man to have nice hands and to make good reads, which Joel Embiid does, which Scotty Barnes, of course, can do. And the, the guard, Gary Trent Jr. and JJ Reddick, to have, like, an insatiable thirst for open space where they can get a shot off. And by golly, uh, both played their part. Scotty and Gary Trent Jr. had created a bucket. When guys are willing to put so much effort into just one singular play, and you wonder, like, how replicable is this? Is this something you can do against a lot of teams? Or Because, like, frantic pitchbacks 
like going back and forth with a player is really hard to guard. And only the best off-ball and on-ball defenders can guard that action. And so if that's something they work on going forward, if that's something they're doing, I mean, hell yeah. Not to mention, I mean, Gary Trent, like this is another one of the games where three steals, the gambles, they pay off. He's just, he's stepping into the lane at the right time. His hands are just, it's it's tough to reconcile with a guy getting this many steals because this is his first time. He's a young player, granted, but it's his fourth season, I believe. He's so accurate. He's like a snake, you know, like the hand goes back and like, and it's just getting after people, striking the ball at the most opportune moment for him and the most inopportune moment for the guy on ball. And he's, he's getting it loose and it's just hands, man. Like that's, that's something when Fred came along, Louis Satsman, I think the year the Raptors won the championship was the first one in media, I think to like stick his neck out and say, Fred Van Vliet is an all NBA level defender. And he said this before Fred was even in the starting lineup. And at that point, people were like, yeah, Fred, he's getting steals. He's being disruptive, but he's small. And nobody looked into the numbers and nobody was really looking into it further. They're just like, he's on the right side of some steals, all that kind of stuff. But Lewis looked further and was, you know, willing to say like, this guy's hands, not only are they heavy, but they're accurate. And I think this is something you can set your watch to. Gary Trent Jr., while some of his defense is like highlight defense, he's, he's not always perfect. His ability to just swipe so far this season, I, you can't help but just say like this is fully part of his defensive package now. His hands on those dig downs, they're way too accurate. And even when he's, you know, he's kind of pushing up on guys on ball, he's pretty good at picking dribbles too. It's something to behold really. Um, and yeah, just like passing the ball around spreading the love a little bit. This is one of his best games as a connective passer, even if it wasn't as a shooter. He went 0 for 4 from downtown. Typically, that's what you want more than anything. Well, I should say it's more more than I want than anything else is Gary, just hit your threes. Mid-range stuff, I don't really care. I don't care that much about it. Just hit your threes when they're created for you because Scotty, Pascal, and Fred create a lot of open threes. Those need to be hit for the offense to to continue on against these tougher teams is guys who have to space, have to space out. And so, but I mean, like he didn't hit him in this game and it wasn't of any consequence, but the defense, the connective passing that this was a really sharp game from him in those regards, even if the shooting wasn't really there. And he actually had one really good move where he went um, behind his back and then kind of did into a spin, hit a push shot, rattled around and fell in. And it's like, Hey, that was a really nice counter. Cause the guy played him really hard to his right hand which is absolutely the wrong thing to do against Gary. I haven't seen him go just a straight right-handed dribble, occupy the driving lane and finish with his right hand. I haven't seen that in the half court yet this year. If I was, uh, if I was, uh, and he also doesn't like shooting, taking that step back to his right or a sidestep to his right. Like it's always to the left, which makes sense. That's how the biomechanics of right-handed shooters works is like, you're really comfortable planting that left leg and getting that right foot down afterwards, collecting, going to your left, you maintain that hip and like you maintain that rigidity of the hip, the elbow, the shooting hand, like all that stuff on your right side and all the weight is being transferred and held up on your left. Like that's all there. So it makes sense. But Gary is extra dependent on that. So why a guy would like really hunt his right hand? I don't know. Cause he just spun to his left and made it happen. So 
good for him, man. Uh, great counter of that play. And then, like, uh, gruesome to some Pascal and Fred. Really funky plays sometimes, man. I mean, Pascal, this was such a fun game to watch for him because he was, like, an insatiable uh, drive to the rim, right? Like, he's... He's quickly identifying when guys are bursting into a space as defensive helpers. He's finding the open pass and oftentimes creating layups. Like that was the big thing is when Pascal was getting downhill and the Kings helped too often, he's getting a layup for someone else. Like Fred Van Vliet drove, drove right from the top above the break, got to the baseline, tried to gnash the pick and roll. Pascal cuts in from the other baseline. Like just he lifted up. He was trying to present himself as a passing option, then cut in. Then Fred finds him. Then the defense steps up to him, and Boucher is sitting in the dunker spot on the other side. Easy pass. That's a dunk. Like, that's beautiful basketball, and it's all born out of good movement and attentiveness. That's that's what Fred and Pascal are bringing in this game, good movement and attentiveness. And, you know, Pascal, this wasn't his biggest numbers game as far as assists, but this was as far as crisp decision-making and ease of baskets from when he passed the guys. This was one of the better games. And also, 16 points on 15 attempts. It's really a shame he only attempted one free throw. He probably could have got to the line like three or four times. Wasn't the case, but he finishes with 16, 8, and 4 in a game where he was kind of chilling out. He wasn't... Early in the game, he he established himself as a dominant threat to drive and was getting into really nice spots. And some of his finishes were so absurd, but that that was really fun. It was just a, a very chill game for him. And likewise for Fred, you know, some really headsy playmaking, headsy, <laughs> heady playmaking, hit a couple threes, kept the defense honest, and like kept pushing forward while also being an absolute menace defensively. And now, last member of the starting lineup, Chris Boucher. So this is, I think, four games in a row that he's been, I would say, an objective positive. This, I talked about it last time, last podcast, the meditation pregame, all that stuff. Like, who knows what actually creates the, the context for a player to turn things around, quote-unquote, right? Is it a fundamental change in how he's being played? Is it that something in his body feels better? Is it a clear headspace? Is it just, like, uh, personnel-dependent or scheme-dependent uh, on the other team? Is it a mix of it all? Probably a mix of it all, but Chris Boucher, this is his fourth game in a row where he's really, really been punching up. I mean, he, he looks so good offensively, filling space, finding lanes, like... There's a couple plays in this one that I would have preferred he pass out, but finishing seven of ten from the field, two of four from downtown, he like three turnovers, not good for a low usage player like that. But the offensive potency that he was bringing and the opportunities he was finding for himself just by proxy of his movement, hell yeah, Chris. And he's, you know, he's still not like dynamite defensively or anything like that. He never has been. Not at the NBA level. Not for like a, a five or six game stretch even. Like he has games where he just pops the hell off. This wasn't one of those games. But I certainly wasn't looking at him and saying, this guy's a defensive weak spot. He he did his thing defensively. And not not to an overly or overwhelmingly dominant degree or anything like that. But he held up his own end. And then he was, he was really great offensively. 17 points in 22 minutes. As a guy who's absolutely a tertiary option. Hell yeah, Chris Boucher. Like do your thing. Now for the bench, 12, 10, 11, 14, 4, 2. Isak Bonga, the guy, the guy with two, he played under five minutes. Banton, the guy with four, he also had six assists. He led the Raptors in, in assists, and he played eight and a half minutes. 
this speaks to the style that the Raptors were playing early on, particularly in that first half. Runouts, getting turnovers, pushing, fast break, transition, which I learned today there's a difference between the two. Transition is like the transition of possession leading to a basket. A fast break is just within eight seconds of getting the ball, I think. Uh, it's NBA.com has it uh, delineated somehow. Better than I would say there. But anyway, the bench as a whole, just awesome. Awesome bench performance. Yuta Watanabe hit a step-back mid-range jumper. He hit two threes. He, he spun to the bucket and then laid it up over the defense. His, his closeouts remain probably the best in the NBA. And he gobbled up 10 rebounds. Yuta Watanabe played 26 minutes in this game, and he was so sharp. He was so good. He plugged into every lineup he was in so well, assisted everybody perfectly. Hell of a game from Utah. Justin Champagne, I talked about, about him at the start. He continues to impress. He, I, I'd like to see him stay with the big club. He's obviously going to get minutes with the 905. Yeah, of course. But Champagne, he, he looks like a classically, he looks like a Villanova player. I know he's from Pitt. And he was awesome at Pitt. But he looks like a Villanova guy. Like, he looks he looks to me exactly the same as Josh Hart. And not exactly the same, but guys who just get it. The, the intangibles of their game, the way they read the floor, they're, they're really helpful on defense. They, they finish at the bucket. They've got a great nose for rebounds. And just, like, all the little things. He moves his feet really well on defense. He takes bumps really well on defense. You know, there's some guys who, like, they can stay with a guy, but they get bumped off their spot. And, like, some guys, they use strength creation. That's how they get buckets. That That's an important part of basketball. But Justin Champagne seems like a guy who can stick with those types of players because he can take the bumps. He, he's, he's really impressive. And in this game, like, getting to the rim for opportunities, the two putbacks, really nice to see. He's great nose for the ball. Uh, he's a very aware player. And then Svi, once again, got the sneaky athletic <laughs> comment as far as... Um, he got the sneaky athletic comment from the broadcast again, which is like really funny because Svi is the most athletic guard on the Raptors roster. Like he's more athletic than Fred. He's more athletic than Gary. He's more athletic than Malachi. Like Svi is a very, very good athlete. And he got into the lane and did a wrong footed takeoff for a left handed slam just because he realized the lane was open. When he gets to load up, he like he, he has a lot of pop in his jump. And it looked it looked just as good as it would have from Gary Trent Jr. Like, and this isn't a Svi over Gary Trent Jr. thing. It's just like Svi is a hell of an athlete, man. Like he he's so unbalanced. He's got so much pop, and he's he's really strong and very coordinated. Just you need that three point shot to come along, man. I know in this game he's two for two, but if he was reliably hitting the threes that he's supposed to, the Raptors would feel well, Nick Nurse would feel a lot better about just slotting him into lineups because. He, he's he's a very complimentary player. He makes good cuts. He's pretty heady. So, yeah. 20 minutes, 11 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists from him. Hell yeah. And then Malachi just popped right in. 14 minutes, 14 points. Took him to Boogie Wonderland. I mean, he was just like putting guys on skates. Just hezzy, crossover, snatchback, jumper. Hezzy, crossover, snatchback, jumper. Like these dribble combos to get into space. And then putting up these super hard contested jumpers. And then getting to the rim after beating the pressure a little bit. Six of eight from the floor. Two of three from downtown. The biggest reason that the Raptors were able to... 
I would say one of the bigger reasons the Raptors were able to hold the Kings at bay and make sure that nobody had to check in again. Like Scotty Barnes was with that unit for a while, and then I think the last four minutes or so they went without him. But Pascal, Fred, they didn't have to check back into the game because everybody held it down. And Malachi's burst of scoring to help close this one out looked really good. Even if his minutes did apparently come at the expense of Delano Benton, who, despite having six assists, you know, basically in the first half, like eight and a half minutes of game time, he he didn't check back into the game. But them's the breaks. That's all right. And yeah, like Banton just spreading the ball around looked really good. His finishing continues to impress me as well, like same as Champagny. He's extending all the way out. And we saw in the first half, Utah and Fred both miss layups. Like it bounced off the glass so hard they didn't even get rim because they're extending out at high speeds. Like it takes quite a bit of craft to decelerate your arm and to apply like the touch to the ball to kiss it off the glass at that speed. Some Something Russell Westbrook has struggled with for a long time, honestly. And yeah, Banton has not struggled with that once. Like he's coming in at high speeds. He comes in and he'll get bumped too, but he always manages to kiss it soft off the glass. It's like an uncanny thing that he's always been able to do. Will it hold up over his career? I'm not sure yet, but there's no reason to believe like otherwise because it's just something that's been part of his bag this this early in the season. And he sock like nice little run to the rim, brother. Do your thing. And uh, yeah, that's the game. One twenty four to one hundred one. The Raptors thoroughly dominated this one. Uh, Reggie Evans Ward, Yuta Watanabe, you get ten boards off the bench as a wing. That is just Reggie Evans Award, like all over. It couldn't possibly be anything else. Gobbling up rebounds, putting in the work. Hell yeah, Utah. Okay, top quick reaction comment from Murray. Quote, a good feel-good run going into Brooklyn. While it was against the Kings, the starters getting extra rest and getting to hoot and holler for guys who need a night like this has got to be a confidence boost up and down the lineup. End quote. Hell yeah, Murray. You know exactly what's up, brother. This was a super fun game. There are guys over the course of an NBA season who need checkpoints where they get to play well to propel them into the future where they say, okay, right, I can play my game and find success. They don't have to be a muted version of themselves. They get to have a game every once in a while where a guy like Malachi Flynn doesn't have to worry about sitting at the top of the arc and like letting other guys run through sets, more talented players run through sets, and he just has to be the trigger man. No, in a game like this, it it allows him to like, bust out the dribble combos, get pull-up jumpers up, and that means that he'll be even more effective probably in broken plays, in more high-leverage situations if he's in the game. Like, this this stuff is always good. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited for the Brooklyn game. I think it'll be awesome. So, I, I don't know what's going to happen. But, yeah, you're right on the money, Murray. Anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in, listener. I hope you enjoyed it, whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day, and goodbye.